I want to let you in on a little secret. When I'm not traveling to Las Vegas, or podcasting about Las Vegas, or watching movies about Las Vegas, I like to read about Las Vegas. And over the last several years of doing this podcast, I've been fortunate enough to talk to some very cool authors who've written amazing books about the city, including its people and its history. I thought it might be fun to take a little trip down memory lane and reshare some of those conversations with you. Maybe even give you some ideas for titles to add to your own personal Las Vegas library. My name is Jeff, the host of Jeff Does Vegas, and this is a little something I like to call Vegas Book Club. For this episode of Vegas Book Club, we're taking a trip back to episode number 116 of the podcast and my chat with Eric Sherwood, better known as Annoyed Pit Boss on Twitter and author of the book Delt, Stories from My Life on the Felt. Eric entered the gaming industry following what I like to call a forced career change, first as a dealer, eventually moving up to the position of Pit Boss. As he got further into the crazy world of the casino business, he realized that the stories from his day-to-day life were simply too good to not share. First came the Twitter account, then came the book. Eric and I discussed his entry into the gaming industry, what inspired him to create his Twitter account, and he shared some tips and tricks for novice players planning on hitting the tables on their next Vegas trip. Please enjoy my conversation with Eric Sherwood. I was uh, working marketing at a, at a small community college in uh, the town where I was living and had lost my job, you know, just kind of like a, a lot of people out there that were looking for jobs that had a college degree and nothing was really coming up. And uh, our casino had just been built. So, you know, the, the state, I call them the state casinos, kind of out in the Midwest, East Coast. Um, growing up, you didn't have casinos. Casinos were in Atlantic City and Vegas. So, we started having casinos and our city built theirs in, I think it was 2009 and it was only slots for about a year. And they had a interview coming up for table games. Now I had played poker before I had played some, you know, blackjack and things like that, but, but nothing to any crazy extent, but I thought, Hey, that looks like a good, you know, industry to get into. That would be neat. You know, maybe I could go, deal poker somewhere in the Mediterranean on a cruise or something someday. And so I, you know, that, that was kind of my thing to deal poker. That was my goal. Well, once I got into the interview and got hired, that was everybody's goal. Everybody wanted to deal poker because, you know, obviously you keep your, your own tips in poker. So it's a little more lucrative. Uh, I ended up learning uh, some of the other games and everything and got into table games from there. And basically, so I, you know, I was making unemployment, while going to a, basically a free dealing school because they didn't pay us for it um, at that time until we started. So, but I was getting paid basically through unemployment for that. And we dealt cards in a warehouse to, you know, other people that were getting hired that had no idea what they were doing dealing wise for about three months straight, mm-hmm. <laughs> like Monday through Friday. <laughs> uh, I think we were the morning. So I think it was like nine to noon or you know, like three hours, three, four hours. But we were seeing the same people every day, kind of like the casino, but it, it got a little monotonous after a while. So I, I learned blackjack, roulette, and baccarat right off the bat. And we opened the casino in like July that summer or opened the table games and went live and everything. And I mean, 80, probably 80 to 90% of our dealers were, were green, absolutely new dealers. We had some experience mixed in, but 
the the like the deal that the casino had set up with the with the local um government and everything was that they had to hire so many uh you know local residents and everything so we had a lot of green dealers and it was uh it was interesting to, to say the least when you were sitting in that warehouse that cold dark poorly lit warehouse i'm imagining it in my head i don't know if that's actually how it was it, it's pretty accurate <laughs> when you were sitting there with all these other people and you were just learning dealing did you ever have that moment of oh my god what have i gotten myself into <laughs> yeah absolutely and you know we yeah, we're like, oh, wait till we hit the floor. And, you know, we talk about the players, like, we're going to see everything. And I mean, we had like no idea. We, 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 we saw everything, but I mean, it was just, you know, and, but yeah, I, I absolutely, I was like, what, you know, what are we doing here? This is like, and I, I think I remember day one or two, like the, the new, like the news station had come in and was like interviewing us. And it was like, why are we being interviewed for this? Like, what is, what is all this about? But, you know, they were just kind of trying to, promote it from the casino standpoint and everything that, you know, here comes table games, but yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. And we just, you end up getting sick of everybody you're working with before you even start working. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's talk a little bit about your, your own personal gambling experience. I mean, prior to getting involved in, in working in the gaming and casino industry, were you, uh, a big gambler at all, a casual gambler. Do you have any crazy stories from your own gambling experience and past? Yeah. So I all like, yeah. So I remember in college, we would drive, you know, up to the, the local casino or Atlantic city, the, the closest casino to us, we would drive to play poker. And that's pretty much what I would play. Now I would play blackjack here and there, but it just didn't really excite me. And, you know, I knew about kind of the house edge and everything and poker was just always what I wanted to play. So I remember, you know, we played a lot in college and home games and things like that, especially, you know, that was kind of the time when Texas Hold'em like took off and had the explosion. So poker definitely was um, a big deal. Now we didn't, but we didn't have casinos. Like, you know, you didn't have the online poker stars or we did actually in college, but you didn't have it where it was so, you know, now there's world series of poker and everything on there's casinos, like pretty much everywhere uh, throughout the United States. So we didn't have that much opportunity, I guess, to play, but anytime I could, I played poker. So poker was my, my main game. So I wouldn't say I was like a huge gambler You know, I'd play, you know, one, three, one, two, no limit. Um, I definitely play on vacation. We'd go to like Vegas maybe once a year, but yeah, that was, that was pretty much it. As far as my kind of any crazy stories, I was living in California at one point and I went to, this would have been a native American casino at the time. And we went to it and they had a poker, you know, t- little small poker room, whatever, but they had a, a, uh, promotion every hour they would put like $500 or something. Maybe it wasn't every hour. Maybe it was like every like six hours or eight hours, they would put like $500 into the pot before the hand started one hand. So, you know, everybody's staying to the, to the, to the river on this one. So they would just put 500 in and then you would play your hand out like normal. And I remember, you know, you're, you're getting dealt the cards and you're like, okay, just give me a, yeah, give me aces this one time on this hand. And I got two, three, two, three of diamonds. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So this was actually a limit table. I remember this, but every, so, you know, so everyone starts off, they, they ante up, they, they put the blinds in. Well, everybody's just raising at this point because it's just, everybody's staying in. They want to maximize the pot even more than they can. So everybody's just, you know, raise, raise, raise to the max raise, call, call, call. So everybody to see a flop. I end up 
to shorten this up, I end up hitting the flush. Now, obviously, I have two threes, so it's not that strong. So we get down to the river, and I finally like people start folding because they have like literally nothing. And I think like three or four people stayed in and nobody's showing. I was like, well, I have, you know, a flush, like the worst one you can have. And everybody else mucked it. And I took down like an $800 pot or whatever on two, three of diamonds. So that was like my, you know, best poker story on that, on that uh, kind of a cash game limit deal. But um, I have a crazy uh, fun first time blackjack story. If you want to hear that. Yeah, for sure. So this would have been, this was on vacation and I don't, I don't remember how old I was. I I think I was 20 or whatever, but we were in uh, North Carolina and they had these gambling cruises that they called them that basically you go out for like three, four hours and they literally went like two, three miles out in international waters right? and they would flip the dinner tables over and start dealing roulette and blackjack and whatnot. And I talked my father into taking me and which was a terrible idea for him because he was motion sickness and was like, it was, he said it was the worst trip. It took him like two days to recover from that. So he was, he was out on a, on a lawn chair trying not to fall overboard. And they, they literally just take you out and they, they dock and they anchor and they just throw an anchor down. You're just bobbing, you know, in the water for three hours gambling. So I was playing blackjack. And like I said, I, I wasn't 21 because I think, you know, at that point you could do this on these gambling cruises and not be 21 or whatever. So I hadn't played blackjack probably live before, or it would have been, I played it like one time up in Canada or something on the, and it was actually <laughs> Spanish 21. I played blackjack for the first time in Canada and it was Spanish 21. I had no idea what I was doing. So pretty much everything that I talk about on Twitter, like I was doing wrong. Right. <laughs> um, but on this, so this instance, I was playing uh, blackjack on a cruise and I was on third base and I, I don't remember the hand. I, I hit when I shouldn't have, or, you know, whatever. I'm just like, I have to get the 21 and I'm hitting or whatever. And, you know, the tables, I can tell the table's getting angry and at me and kind of like, oh, this is kind of getting a little, little hairy. And the guy looks over to me. I think the dealer ended up pulling a hand or I took his bus card or something. And the, the, the guy over on, on first base looks at me and goes, he goes, son, he goes, I've seen people been thrown in the ocean for less than that. <laughs> that was my welcome into blackjack. That's that sounds about like my entry into the blackjack world. I, it was at a casino here in Calgary and I sat down at a table and it was I was by myself, which was great because, again, blackjack, I know nothing other than got to get to 21. That's all I know. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm, so I'm sitting there and I'm playing. It's like five bucks a hand. Like it's not high roller money. It's just but it's my money and it's high roller to me. Well, some right. dude sits down at the table and he's like a pro and he starts beaking at me about this and that. And how come you're not doubling down and splitting the blah, blah, blah. I had no idea what he was saying, what he was doing, why he was angry at me. All I know is I finished my one hand or my two hands and I got up and left because yep. it just, it was, and it wrecked the experience for me for a very, right. very long time. <laughs> I believe it. And, and that, I mean, I see it every day at the casino that that still happens and it's it cracks me up because like you said the, the pro the guy that thinks he's the pro that's getting angry like like you said you're on a five dollar table like you don't have to stay at that table buddy like i mean obviously you know you ended up leaving because you you know didn't like him sitting there yelling at you who would but like why is the pro sitting there playing if he doesn't like how the players are playing you know now there may be not other tables and stuff obviously i understand that but yeah we we and that's half my job is just 
breaking up arguments between players and like, sir, you, you know, you can go to any other table. You know, and it's just, it's just unbelievable. And if you're such a pro, why are you sitting at the $5 table? Why are you not exactly. at the 10, 20, 50, exactly. $100,000 table? <laughs> and what cracks me up is so many times that that pro, as I, you know, as, as I do in hand quotes, that pro ends up doing, ends up making the wrong move by the book, like five hands later. So like, you know, they, they, they like the, you know, they like to complain and yell at other players and yell at the dealer, but half the times they're not playing hundred percent correct either. Let's talk a little bit about your progression through the gaming industry. You started off as a, a dealer as people often do when they're when they're getting into working in the gaming biz um you were dealing blackjack working craps working roulette yeah so initially it was just because they would only teach us like one or two main so craps went off and just learned craps because i mean it's obviously you know so in depth so crap dealers just initially just went and learned craps but uh, then they did blackjack and roulette together and then they did like a side game like we all learned like you know, the Carney games, three card poker, let it ride all those. But that was kind of like a crash course. It's like, here, we got a week left here. Learn these games, but <laughs> Baccarat roulette and blackjack were the three main um, that I learned. And then I picked up craps later um, to, to in the casino. So, yeah, so I, I started out as a dealer dealing those three. So I did that for about five years and then I got promoted to, um, I don't know if you say promoted, but I went up to uh, a pit boss or supervisor, or, you know, what suit or hey, you with the tie, you know, whatever you want to call them. But yeah, so that, that's the position I took after that. And that's the position I still hold. Um, and, you know, there, I've had opportunities to go into surveillance, which, you know, I think before I got into the casino, it was like, oh, surveillance sounds, you know, that sounds like so like exotic and such a cool job. And you get to, you know, catch these cheaters. And, but after kind of like, being in the industry and, you know, kind of meet, you know, talking to some of the surveillance people and everything. And just, it doesn't really sound, you know, sitting in front of a TV in a dark room for, you know, however long and answering phone calls that you can barely hear the pit boss and everything. So, you know, it's like, that. Eh, it's like, eh, maybe I'll just stay on the floor. And I, I you know, I had an opportunity to, to end up later on go and deal poker, but I would have lost my seniority. So I ended up just staying in table games. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much I've done table games since then, since 2010. And, uh, yeah, it's been <laughs> quite the ride. And so for somebody that's maybe not totally familiar with the positions within a casino and the jobs that people can hold other than breaking up arguments between players, what does a pit boss do? Yep. So, you know, that's a big part of it, but the main, our main, you know, objective to the, to the job is that you know, we're making, we're making sure that the games are being dealt to procedure. So there's a ton of procedures on blackjack. You know, you have to, you know, when you're, when you're standing there waiting for a player to, to, you know, hit or stay, you know, you should have your hand on the shoe, like at all times, like you should lean this way. When you're looking to the left, you should lean to the right. When you're looking to the right, you know, you should shuffle this way. So like, we're, we're looking to make sure the dealers are dealing the game per the, per the gaming procedures. And then on top of that, obviously, you know, we're, you know, because if the dealers are doing their job and you have, you have solid dealers behind you or in front of you, it makes our jobs a lot easier at that, you know, at that point, it doesn't lend to too much 
chance where the players could, you know, pull, pull fast one or take a shot or try to cheat or something like that. So, you know, we're watching the players too, but pretty much we're watching the game just to make sure it's being dealt correctly. And then we're tracking the chips. Now, obviously we're not tracking every single, you know, red chip, uh, single chip. We're basically looking at $100 chips, $500 chips and above. So those are the chips that we are, you know, constantly checking. So when you see a pit boss come over to a table and he may, you know, just kind of do a quick glance and look at the players, look at the table, look at the rack. You know, we're not checking most, most of the time. We're not checking to make sure, you know, oh, this guy's up, you know, 300 over here. We're pretty much just making, we're, we're checking the rack to balance it off our computer, what we have in our computer. So when somebody colors up, you know, and they say, you know, color it up 500, one purple, that, you know, why they need to wait for us is we, we approve it and then we make sure we mark it in our system. So, you know, the next guy doesn't come in and end up seeing like, hey, you're missing a thousand bucks in purple off this table. Like where to go? We know that, okay, it went to this player, cash them out. So that tracks that, that player. So at the end of the day, or, you know, when the table goes dead, that, that money, those chips in the computer system are matching what's in the rack. So, I mean, so what you're saying is it maybe isn't quite as glamorous as it's perceived to be in the movies. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> and, and what I like to say on uh, Twitter and everything is basically, especially on roulette, I'm like an adult babysitter, basically. Because, I mean, I mean, there's just, you know, there's so many things in the casino, you know, don't, don't, you can't touch the cards on blackjack. Oh, yeah, you can't have your phone out. Oh, don't touch the glass on roulette. It, you know, so it's just it's just you're just yelling that out like all day. And, you know, something that a lot of the times, you know, that's the dealer's job to kind of police that. But a lot of times they either they don't care or they give up or they're just like, whatever, you know, so it's like, we're, you know, we're cleaning up spills and telling them not to touch this and that. And you can't bet the other one's chips on roulette. And yeah. So it, it's like, a, it's like an adult babysitter, essentially. So breaking up arguments and telling people not to touch stuff. It really does sound like you're You could be either a pit boss at a casino or running a daycare. Right, right. I have two young. I have two kids under the age of five, and it's it's. I mean, I can't tell. It's it's just twenty four seven. No matter if I'm at the casino or home, <laughs> what I'm what I'm yelling at for. It's just you know, hey, don't don't hit your sister. Don't do this. You can't touch that. Put that down. You know. So it's it's very hard to tell if I'm coming or going in in uh, in my life right now. Let's talk about your presence on Twitter and uh, the Twitter account that you've got. The original account, the annoyed casino dealer. Um, when did you initially get on Twitter and start sharing your your thoughts, your feelings, your opinions? Twitter tells me that I joined January of 2012, which I knew it was around 2012, but I would have never remembered like what month or whatever. But that's what Twitter is telling me. So yeah, I started. It's about two years into me dealing, I started, you know, I, I launched Twitter and, and I don't even know. I, I honestly don't know besides like, Hey, let me, you know, I, I just want to we just deal with all like just these crazy people, crazy stories. And I'm like, you know, and I think I had been maybe tweeting some out on just like my regular Twitter account. And then I was like, you know, I should start like some kind of, uh, you know, annoyed casino dealer or something. So I just kind of started it and, I, you know, I, I just would tweet out just stuff here and there a couple times a week or whatever. And it, you know, and I said, I'm obviously it's been 10 years since that, you know, since I opened that account, but it just grew organically. 
really over the years into, you know, I think I'm, I'm fine. You know, I'm nearing 10,000 followers, but I mean, it's taken 10 years and it really took a lot to get started that first year or so it was just kind of me tweeting to like avoid, you know, it wasn't, there wasn't much out there of, of me, of, of anybody coming back, but then it just, you know, started growing and following other people and they'd follow me back and it just ended up becoming this thing. And then, you know, you get Twitter is cool in that you, you find that, that niche, that's that community that's on Twitter. And, you know, we're in that gambling community where, you know, you see all these, you know, you see the gamblers and people that are doing podcasts and, you know, you know the casino. So you, you kind of get in that community and that's when it really, uh, really took off. So, you know, and from that point, I think when I started tweeting things out, you know, I, I think what, what was Twitter back then? A hundred and 20 characters. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. They, they like extended it. Yeah. But so like, you know, you couldn't really get too many off or whatever, but I started just basically keeping notes and, you know, and everybody, you know, in our industry and I had coworkers that'd be like, I'm going to write a book someday. And it always like stuck with me. And I was like, well, I, I'm going to write that book. So, you know, it always took me to like, you know, let's, so I, I took notes and just started kind of writing things down on like my phone, like the, the notes app on my phone on breaks and stuff. And, you know, I'd have like a name for that person and remember to tell the story on that one. And it just kind of started from there. And, and I mean, it was a slow process, obviously, because these stories are from when I dealt and I dealt for five years. So, you know, I became a pit boss in around 2014, 15. So, and these stories are all from back then. So they're, they're old stories really, but yeah, it just took me forever. What was the, the original intent behind creating the Twitter account and, and moving on to the book? Was it just a case of, um, needing somewhere to vent? I, I mean, I know I've worked with the public. I've done call center work and retail work and frontline work. So, so I know how terrible people can be. Was it just a case of, needing to have a place to get those stories out and share them with people that have gone through similar stuff. Oh yeah. And that's exactly it. it I, I, it's like, I just need, I needed an outlet. And at the same time, you know, obviously hey, maybe this will take off and be big someday was always in the back of my head. But you know, when you're tweeting out to people and you have like three followers, it's like, mm, this is, you know, this is, I mean, it, it could have died real quickly. It just, you know, just to keep that going and, and to keep it up was, um, is, is difficult. And it was, I'm kind of surprised I did it to be honest, but yeah, it was to kind of just have that outlet and vent, vent to people. And then, you know, to write it, it was like, cause you don't, you know, when you go out and you even like Google casino book, you know, you could find a thousand and one books on how to beat the house. Oh, how to win at Baccarat, how to win at roulette, how to, you know, how to count cards, how to do this. There's a million and a half books on, on how to beat the house when it's like all ridiculous to be, to be honest, mm. you know, and there's a book on how to win at slots. And it's like, uh, you know, so, but you don't, I never saw a book from like a, you know, a dealer. Now you'd see gamblers write books on their experiences and, and things like that, but I never really saw any kind of dealer book or, you know, casino employee book where they would give stories out like that. So my idea, instead of just writing like a novel and things like that was to just kind of do a collection of short stories. And that's where it kind of started from that. And I mean, I wrote some of these stories way back in 2012 and 13. And there was times when I'd write like about for about a year and then I wouldn't look at it for like a year and a half. Right. I go back and write some more and just kind of, and then I had, a, I had like 50,000 words sitting there for a long time and just kind of never really, like, I think when I started self-publishing wasn't even a thing. 
<laughs> I don't think so. You know, it, like I didn't, you know, it was like, I have to go through the pub, getting a publisher and all that. So I figured that was going to take, you know, forever if I ever got that to that point, but yeah, it just, so I, it just slowly was writing stories down and it just, yeah, it, it was just all an outlet. And I, and I like to say, um, yeah, like you talk about working with the public sucks. Anybody that works with the public, like you said, in retail or whatever, or worked at a fast food store, you know that working with the public sucks. Well, for the most part, you're in the casino. So you're not only working with the general public, you're probably working with like, and, and not every gambler is that, you know, there's people that truly go out and they are there for entertainment and they're good people and whatever, but like, it's kind of like the lower, you know, drudge of society is like <laughs> hanging out at the casino every day and the, the regulars anyway. So it's like, you kind of have that, like the lower form of, of, uh, you know, some come, some criminals come in from time to time that I know I've dealt to. <laughs> so like, you know, you kind of have that, like the lower end of the public uh, that you're dealing to, and then they're losing hundreds and thousands of dollars. Right. And there's nobody of them. There's nobody there to yell at besides you. Right. So like you get, we get the brunt of it, you know, they're not going to yell at themselves, at least not in front of us. So, you know, so yeah, you just get the brunt of it. And it's a a dynamic that I don't think is, you can duplicate like anywhere else. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds fair. I mean, really the only place that I can think of where people are going to scream at someone about something that is completely out of anybody's control is maybe the airport. Right. That's really the only thing. I mean, I I know the number of times that I've been at the airport and I've seen a a flight get canceled because of lousy weather or something along those lines. And people are yelling at the poor clerk behind the counter. And I know that clerk behind the counter just wants to look at the guy and say, listen, sir, if I could put you on the plane directly into the eye of a hurricane, I absolutely (laughs) would right now, but I can't. So yes. So I completely see where you're coming from on this. (laughs) Yeah. Like the public, I always like, you know, you say like, you know, somebody, you know, the, the person working the the register at, you know, a local store, like you complaining about, you know, them not having enough fruit or something, you know, are you complaining to her? Isn't going to help you get anywhere. No, you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you need to complain to like a little higher up, a corporate or get on their social media or something. So, yeah. So like you, you just, you get that complaining, but it's like, yeah, people just, they, they berate dealers and, and us. And I mean, I, I you know, people, you we come over just to look at the table for a minute and I have players get pissed at me <laughs> and you're just like, dude, like, do you want, you know, like, don't look at my, you know, it's like, well, I, you want me to do my job? Like I'm trying to, that's why I know. And I say that a lot too. It's just like, dude, don't, you know, don't tell me how to do my job. We gotta, we gotta get through it. Like we're fine. You know, I'm not, you know, so it's just, it, it's something else, but yeah, it's just, people get angry. Obviously they're losing hundreds and thousands of dollars in it. And it, uh, yeah. And it's just no one to yell at. So they yell at us. The book is called dealt stories from my life on the felt and thumbing through the book. There are some absolutely crazy stories in here without giving away too much, because of course we want people to go and buy the book and read it. Um, what are some of the, the crazier stories in this book? Yeah. So, and I think, you know, going through this in these stories, yeah, there's there's like three three or four like chapters that I stories that like are are keyed in on particular players, you know the, that if you've read it, you know, uh, kid Norman High Limit, um, Kenya towards the end of the book, those are just characters that we ended up dealing with, and some of them were regulars, and it's just their stories and how they acted and how they interacted was just it, 
completely incredible. So like stories like that is just, you got to read it to see like the characters behind it and like what their story is and everything. And like uh, some of them, like I, I mentioned that one on the kid and I had somebody message me and saying, I'd like to read that whole, whole book about him. So like, maybe that's a, maybe that's uh, for book number two or three or something, but yeah, those could be like their own book, but just some of the stories, I mean, you know, a golden night at where, I mean, the guy, the guy was drunk, literally whipped it out and was urinating in between ATM machines. <laughs> and it just, you know, and then, you know, we're like, dude, what are you doing? Cause we couldn't tell what he was doing at the moment. And he turns around and he's just like, what, you know, and it's, it's just out. And you're just like, you know, you're just like, what, what are we doing here? And then, you know, and same thing kind of on that same note was I, I've, we've had craps players that, you know, it's a hot roll or I can't miss a hot roll. So instead of going to the bathroom, it's going to take me about three minutes. Well, I'll just go in my pants. Jesus. So I've had crafts <laughs> players just, you know, piss their pants. So yeah, good times like that. So bodily functions that you weren't thinking of, uh, you wouldn't think getting into this industry that you'd have to deal with. Um, but I mean, just, you know, coming out on a, on a, on a new shift and you're walking the floor to get to your pit assignment and, there's somebody passed out in a garbage can and you're just like, what, what, what are we walking in on? Like, what, <laughs> what happened last night? Like this dude's passed out in a trash can. Like what, what, where's his friends? Where's, where's anybody? So like just seeing stuff like that, like it's nuts. And then obviously, you know, you see the high swings, people winning thousands, losing thousands, sometimes in the same table at the same time, um, just tens, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands. It's, it's insane. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's just so that's what I tried to encompass the book around, you know, was just some of these certain players and characters that I've interacted with over the years. And then obviously, like just random stories like that. A lot of your Twitter account is um, talking about the mistakes that people make when they're in the casino playing table games, whatever it is they happen to be doing. And I think that's great. I think it's fantastic that that stuff is getting pointed out to them. What are some of the tips and tricks that you can share for people who are maybe new to the casino world, uh, new to going into gaming and maybe never sat down at a table and played a game before? Uh, do you have any, uh, any faux pas or, or common errors that people make that you can share? It all starts with knowing the game. And, you know, I mentioned earlier about, you know, I sat blackjack and was doing whatever. And I played uh, what I thought was blackjack in Canada on spring break. And it ended up being uh, Spanish 21. I had no idea. Now, obviously, they're similar games, but come on. But it wasn't. I was like, man, there's a lot. Where's the tens on this deck? Um, <laughs> but yeah, know the game. I mean, it, you know, with the Internet today, there's never been more of a time to you can quickly, you know, download four blackjack apps right now if you wanted to and, and play for free on your phone. So, you know, l- look it up, research it, learn the game, kind of have an idea of what you're doing uh, before you sit. So like that's that's a huge one. And then, yeah, there's just casino, you know, etiquette. And obviously, you know, like I'd be, I'm a big, you know, advocate of tipping your dealer and having a good time and not yelling at your dealer and pit boss and things like that. But yeah, just be friendly, like, you know, have a good, try to have a good time, come with money that you can, you know, it's like your, your entertainment budget for the week or the day or the night, like come with money that you can afford to lose. Don't be coming with your mortgage money or next month's mortgage money and everything. Um, I mean, there's so many, you know, gambling, you know, just what not to do, but yeah, I mean, there's just, there's little rules, but the main thing, you know, don't touch the cards. The dealer can't take money out of your hands. That's a big one, but you see that in the movies a lot. 
um, roulette. You can't go leaning over the glass and looking at the wheel and things like that. Um, so, you know, things like that. But mostly, you know, if you want to go play blackjack or any table game, even if at, even at the very least, you watch for maybe 10 minutes and ask a player and or or the dealers. Most dealers will help you out and give you a heads up, even if you're playing blackjack and say, hey, is this a hit or a stay? You know, they'll they'll give you an answer. And I don't know if it's the right one, because some dealers <laughs> don't know all the all the uh, blackjack strategy as well. But, you know, you can get advice from players and, and the dealer and stuff, too. So you can ask. But yeah, just just be friendly. That's my big thing, you know, going in there with a good time in mind, and uh, yeah, just not be a, a douchebag. Basically, <laughs> is, my, is my is my number one. That is uh, is very good advice, Eric. Thank you so much for taking time and jumping on. I really do appreciate it, and uh, congratulations on the book. I'm I'm looking forward to diving into it. Yep, absolutely, Jeff. Thanks so much for having me on. Appreciate it. <laughs>